so this morning, <clears throat> we're going to continue on and we're actually going to finish, Lord willing, by 4 o'clock this afternoon, the rest of the Ten Commandments. So, <laughs> uh, I threw this picture up here. Uh, how many guys are just like, that's cool? Second I threw up, that's, this is a picture that's actually up for um, best outdoor picture for 2022. It's pretty cool. But when I saw it, I'm just, preach. <laughs> that's what went through my head. Okay, these elk, they have this bugle. It is loud. How many of you guys have ever heard that? Okay, the, you know. <laughs> they're, they're saying something. They're letting something be known. And I don't know about you guys, but that's how I feel when it comes to the Ten Commandments. Could it be any clearer, any louder for us? But the problem is, guys, when we come to the Ten Commandments... Thou shall have no other gods before me. Thou shall not make unto me any graven image. Thou shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. We're to remember that Sabbath day and keep it holy. Okay, We're to honor our father and our moms. Thou shall not kill Thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet. Do you guys know that people don't like this? Do you guys know that in recent years, the Ten Commandments have found, them, found their way into the courts of our land, being discussed whether or not it's allowed to be on a public site? Because it offends people. So they're going to take it away from that school. We don't want what God has said to be known to this next generation. We don't want to have it in our rulings, in any courthouses. It needs to be taken down. Even to the point we see in the church, oh, the law, that's Old Testament. Jesus, New Testament, that's not what it's about. Does that break your heart as a believer? Because as we've been studying this, we know that the Ten Commandments wasn't just for the Israelites, but it was for all people for all time. And as we've been considering this, we know it is right. We know it is good. If anyone is logical and not willfully ignorant, they too will conclude the same thing. Because you don't, if you don't have an absolute truth, what are you left with? Well, we all can do whatever we want. Didn't we read in the Old Testament? They did what they wanted, what was right in their own sight. Everybody was doing that. And God had to judge because it was not right. It was not good. And we are getting to a place in this Judean Christian nation of ours where, hey, we want nothing to do with the living God. We want him gone. We want to remove him completely. And then what are you left with? Because if you don't have that authority, what God, the creator, what he's told his creation to do, if that's gone, everybody's going to do what they want to do. There are no ethics. There are no morals. We're going to go on our feelings. And you guys know that our feelings can be wrong? I have wrong feelings all the time. I'm honest. I can be truthful about that. 
So we are blessed because here at Freedom, we take the word of God seriously, not just parts of it. (laughs) We are going to study the whole counsel of God, and we can't ignore what the Ten Commandments, what Exodus chapter 20, which if you haven't turned there yet, you can turn there. We are going to finish up the Ten Commandments this morning. We're going to look at the other half because if you guys recall, the first four of the Ten Commandments is in our dealings with God. And we are told to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second commandment is to love others. And that's what we get to deal with this morning. How do we relate? How do we treat? How are we to function with one another? And if we would just do this, the world would be such a better place. Why? Because God's ways are right. They are better than ours. But part of what I'm feeling like, guys, anyone who is willing to herald the good news of Jesus Christ, anyone who is willing to speak the truth of God, we are living in a culture where you become an easy target. I will tell you, some of you will be offended this morning just by the word of God. It's not really my opinion or what I think. If you guys find me doing that, you guys need to come and say, hey, bro, (laughs) what you've been saying, it ain't biblical. My conviction as your pastor is I want to be biblical. Even when I do share stories, illustrations, or my opinions, if they're not lining up with what God says, that's not good. We need to be about his word and what he has declared And we're getting into a time here in this Judean Christian country of ours where people are very easily offended. Anything goes. We can be tolerant. We need to be tolerant except for you Christians. You need to keep your mouth shut. We don't care what you have to say, and we don't want to hear what you think. That's the truth. So we may be an easy target, but that's not the reason why I like this picture. Isn't that just a cool picture? All right. So we have the Ten Commandments this morning. We're going to look at 5, 6, 7, and 8, and 9, and 10 together. But before we do that, I want to jump a little farther down in chapter 20 with me. Look at verse 18. It says, Now all the people, they witnessed the thunderings, the lightnings, flashes, the sound of the trumpet, In the mountain smoking. Are you guys trying to picture this in your mind here? And when the people, they saw it, what did they do? They trembled. And they stood afar all that. I want nothing to do with this. This is crazy. Okay. And then, and again, God was speaking audibly. Everybody was hearing. It was the living God. Millions of people. All of them. Heard in verse 19, and then they said to Moses, you speak with us, and we'll hear, but let not God speak with us. And that's the problem people have still to this day. We don't want these Ten Commandments. We don't want to hear your word and what you have said. And then he goes on to say, but let not God speak with us, lest what we die And Moses said to the people, do not fear, for God has come to test you, and that his fear may be before you, so that you may not sin. How many of you guys agree with Proverbs when it says that the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord? 
How many of you guys agree with that? I absolutely do. Because when I am confronted with the truth, with God's word, there are times that I tremble. And there is a healthy fear of God. And it is right. Even this last week in my own devotions, I came across three different scriptures that talked about us being blessed and happy when we fear God. And so many people, it's just like, why would God want us to fear him? There's a healthy fear of God that is good for us. Did you guys catch? Hey, he's going to test us with his word. How many of you guys want to live a life where you're deceived? Hey, I'm doing awesome. Look at me, I'm great. Especially compared to my neighbor. You know how they are? I'm way better. I'm doing good. Top of my class. But aren't you guys glad when you're tested? When the word of God is spoken, is declared, and it's that mirror and you're like, oh boy. (laughs) I'm seeing. My heart's been telling me one thing, but I've been told my heart can be deceptive. I can deceive myself. Man, Lord, show me. Do you guys pray that regularly? Man, if there's anything off, if I've been missing the mark, if there be any wicked way in me, would you show me that, Father? Why? Because I have a healthy fear of you. And my fear is your child is that I would be living and doing something that wouldn't bring honor to you that would hurt you. And that is our heart towards him because we know his heart and his heart towards us. He doesn't speak things to us to rip us off. Jesus came to give us life and life abundantly. And I look at these things. Some people look at the Ten Commandments. What a bummer. Don't you know, dude, Christian that sin's fun? God. Maybe adultery is fun. Maybe you are. No! Cheating on your spouse? That's a good thing? That's an okay thing? Hey, let's start some websites where people can sign up to cheat on their spouse. Do you guys know that's actually a thing? 20 million plus in this country. Sorry. Point. <laughs> it is right for us to have a healthy fear. God, you tell me not to steal, that's right. That's a good. How many of you guys like when somebody steals something of yours? Anybody like that? Well, I should be able to do what I want. And I should be able to take what I want. Stealing's okay. I shouldn't have to listen to God and what He. This is good. And we're saying we need to remove this. So. This morning, I desire for you guys to see the heart of our Heavenly Father. Because if you don't know him, the Ten Commandments is not going to make any sense. You're not going to be able to see why God said what he said. You won't be able to understand that his ways are way better than ours. And he is much wiser than we are. Because what are you doing? You're putting yourself as God and your opinion actually matters more than your creator's. You won't get it until a person humbles himself before God and is born again in the Spirit of God. They're not going to understand this or get that. But for us, I want to encourage you guys, my brothers and sisters, 
we need to get the Father's heart in understanding the Ten Commandments. He's not out to get us. He's out to protect us. And that's why he's declared these things, because he loves us. There are things I tell my children to do. Shalom, no. You can't do this. Son, you need to be doing this. Why? Because I love them and I want to protect them. And how much better is our Heavenly Father than any of us dads in this room? He loves so much better than we do. He cares so much more deeply than we ever could. He knows best. So I want our hearts to be open to the Ten Commandments this morning as we finish them. And I also want us to be reflecting upon God and his character and his heart because it will bring a depth and an understanding to the Ten Commandments. So, I need a drink of water again. You guys are getting excited. Um, How many of you guys love this passage out of Romans 13? In the context of it, if you guys read this and then read the context of Romans 13, it would blow your mind away. Do it later today. But here, in verse 8, it says, The one who loves me fulfills what? That's pretty cool. It's not just giving God warm fuzzies in his heart. Oh, my kid loves me. That's awesome. No, you're doing something. You're fulfilling the law. We love him because, (laughs) and isn't it the love of Christ that compels us? Think about this, brother and sister. When we love in all we do when it comes to the law in responding to the law, it has to be motivated by love. Oh, the legalists, the Pharisees, our Hebrew roots friends, <laughs> they love the law, but they miss the purpose of it. And they're doing it out of a works-based thing. Look what I can do to be right with God. Well, you guys know the gospel. That's not how it works. Well, then why have the law at all? Because again, it's there to protect us. It's for our good. And we love our dad, and we want to do what he says. So when we love him, and why are we willing to love him and actually do what he says? Because he loves us. Okay, He initiated that love. He demonstrated that love. If you guys don't think God loves you, consider the cross for two seconds. Has anyone else laid down their life that your sins could be paid for? I don't know anybody else. That's God alone. So before we jump into the last six of the big ten, I want to consider with you the law as a whole because here in Exodus 20, which we find Exodus in the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, we have many laws given, not just Exodus 20 and these 10. There are a lot of other rules and regulations, laws given to the children of God, of Israel. Why? Because they had a problem. Do you guys remember when Moses came down with the Ten Commandments? Okay, again, we read here the first commandment, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Do you guys know that what God's children were up to when Moses was bringing the law to them? Oh, then made an idol, the second one, and they were worshiping it as a god. 
golden calf. Really? I'm giving you the law. And Moses was undone. You guys know what he did, right? Took the tablets and broke them. Okay. So we definitely have a problem here. So what does God do? Well, (laughs) my kids, (laughs) you're breaking the laws. We need to address this. Okay, we got to make this clear. You're going to have to do this. But as you guys read through the Torah, what's the problem? Especially when you get to the fifth book of Deuteronomy. Don't we read there the account over and over again? Like, oh, this law was given, and what did they do with it? They broke it, they rebelled, and another law was given. And what did the children of Israel do with that? They heard it, well, we broke it, we messed that up too. Okay, and so on and so forth through the entire book. And that's what we read in the scriptures. Why? Because no one can keep the law. 613 of them there in the Old Testament. They couldn't do it. We can't even do 10. Seriously, how many of you guys have kept all 10 here? If you have, we're going out for coffee after church. I got questions. Nine? Then you guys keep nine of them? Eight, seven, six, five, four. Studying this week, I'm like, (laughs) I think I am the guiltiest man upon planet Earth right now. That's how I felt. I was arrested and busted and broken this week, guys. Before the Lord. Because of these simple commandments that I've known my entire life. We never arrive and we never get beyond what God has declared. Because what does this do? It shows us that we need a Savior. None of us can do it, even come close to doing it if we're honest. And that's the one thing I'm going to ask of you guys this morning. Are we honest? Because God's going to do something. He promised to do something. He was going to do what no one else would ever be able to do. And then we have the Torah And in the Old Testament, the prophets came and spoke about, well, we got the problem. No one can keep the law of God. They keep rebelling against God. They keep hurting themselves. Man, to the point all they do, the intents of their hearts are wicked continually. But isn't it cool when you get into the prophets, you read Ezekiel, and what does Ezekiel say? Hey, you guys have this hard heart. Okay, you keep pushing against what God has declared. You keep rebelling against him. But I'm going to do a new thing and give you a new heart. I'll take that heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And then we have Isaiah, or actually Jeremiah. Okay, he came on the scene. And what did Jeremiah the prophet say? Hey, this new heart that God's going to give to you, I'm going to write my law where? Upon your heart. It's no longer a heart of stone. But my word is going to be able to be received and written within you. It's not an external thing any longer. I can't do this. I keep trying to do that. But God's going to accomplish and do and write his word upon our hearts. And then it's so cool because then we get to the prophet Isaiah. And what does Isaiah say? Man, you guys keep blowing it. You are sinful but I am going to come. I, who am mighty to save the Savior of the world, 
And Isaiah over and over again shared this good news in the hope that Jesus would be not just to Israel, but to all nations. So really, I do love the Torah and the prophets. This is what our God is going to do, because obviously we can't do it. History bears witness to it. If you're actually real with yourself, you're a living testimony to it. We all need him. So I love Jesus, what he says. You guys remember that rich young ruler? You know, he, he wanted to be right. Okay, he was willing to follow Jesus, right? But what did Jesus speak to him? He said, hey, if you want to be perfect, and isn't that what the law declares to us? And aren't we called to be holy as he is holy? Well, Jesus says, hey, if you want to be perfect, hey, go and sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. Did he end up following Jesus? Wow. Isn't that what, what he wanted to do? But when confronted with the truth, and don't we see part of the Ten Commandments played out in this statement that Jesus gave? Okay, he's getting to the heart of the problem, and I love that. But those who say, hey, I'm willing to believe, I'm willing to follow Jesus, are you? Because there's a cost to following Jesus. Lordship changes. Because right now, if you are not a child of God, you are a child of Satan according to the Bible. you got a bad king, you've given your allegiance to him. But there is a good king, and you have a choice. You can humble yourself and give your allegiance to him. But let me tell you what. So many people are deceived in this world that don't believe in Jesus because, oh, Satan's not my God. I'm my God. I sit on the throne. I'm calling all the shots. And that's the problem. This is what I want a lot of times people don't understand when you come and you give yourself to Christ. You're giving yourself to Christ. You are no longer your own. You've been bought with a great price. You are now a new creation. You are now spiritually alive. And we know when you're born again of the Spirit, it's just like, well, wait a minute. I still have this flesh nature. I have these sin tendencies. <laughs> but now it's at war. I don't feel comfortable any longer in my sin. My sin is no longer fun. And that's where we need to yield and be who we are. Because what it's all about is who we are in Christ. So, you guys ready? Let's talk about honoring your father and your mother. Which commandment is this? Five, easy way to remember, honor your father and your mother, okay? This is a commandment, okay? It's very clear. Honor your father or your mother. Whoa, someone's paying attention. And your father. But pastor, you don't know what my dad did to me. You don't know how horrible he was to us. And you're telling me God says I have to honor him? How does that work? I can honor my mom, but my dad? Really? God's declared this. This is what we ought to do. 
Well, you may ask, well, what do I do then if they're not honorable, and yet I'm to honor them? Again, guys, if we are in the Spirit, we ought to walk in the Spirit. And I think about that. How did Jesus walk? He walked in love. He has a whole lot of grace. He forgives. That's our God. Now, it doesn't mean, well, if I have to honor him, I guess I need to put myself back in relationship in such a way it can be very toxic again for me and I can be abused again. Is that what God's saying? No. And there are ways when it is hard to honor your parents, you forgive, you be an example to them, you pray for them. There are ways that we honor our parents. And we need to be mindful of that. Even if they don't deserve it, we still do it. That's the way God has set it up. But we are so sinful, we've gotten so messed up. You know, like I think of feminism, okay? (laughs) Forget you guys. We're going to do it. We don't need you. You guys know how backwards that is? You know, and then there's chauvinism where you got a man, you know, you stay back there, <laughs> you know. I'll, I'll do this all. I, I, I don't need you. Do you guys know that God took a rib from the side of Adam and made woman from the side, side by side? That's the way it's supposed to be, guys. God's ways are right, and we struggle. Well, I can honor this parent, but not that parent. No, you honor both of them. Even if they've died, deceased, how can you still honor them? How do you speak about them? Well, purpose, I'm not going to speak ill of them. Even if they're doing weird stuff, (laughs) I'm not going to talk ill about them in front of other people. That's one way to honor them. Maybe there are some real hurts and things that need to be discussed. I don't know about you guys, but doesn't family get complicated once in a while? Yeah. So what do we do with that? You know, well, maybe you share with your spouse or a confidant in inner circle, you know. It is good to get healing. It's good to pray for one another. But I think a good way to honor them is you just don't throw out all the junk. You speak well of them. Some of you guys want honor as parents. Okay, well, this is what the Bible says, but I want to be deserving of it, okay? I don't want to make my kids have to do it just because it's what God says. I just want to be a type of man where it's just a natural thing for them to do. But I know that is something that is taught, you know? We talked with our kids about how does it look to honor grandpa and grandma, okay? What does that mean? What does it mean in our household? My kids know that honoring Sonny is a big deal. Okay? We have a few rules, but that's one of the big ones. How do you honor mom? Hey, mom's going to get home from work in five minutes. Give her a hug when she walks through the door. It's a way that you can honor her. You respect her. She asks something of you, you do it. So there's a lot that could be said when it comes to honoring our father and our mothers. 
but we need wisdom in how that looks. Because we know it's right, but we live in a fallen world and it can get really messy. Okay? And maybe you don't have a good relationship with your mom and dads. You know, well, be an example of what that looks like. So, let's move on to the next one. Murder. You shall not murder. What I found (laughs) kind of fascinating, you get into the Hebrew, and I love uh, our new, uh, you know, translations that have come out. Um, We have so many just in English alone, and a lot of them have done a really good job. Um, And I've found at least eight here different words for murder in the Old Testament. It's kind of cool to break those down and consider what God used here in Exodus 20. Any of you guys have an Old King James with you this morning? Probably the most popular translation of all time, you shall not kill. My question is, is there a difference between murder and killing someone? Is that a good question? You shall not murder. We know it's not right to take someone else's life because you didn't give life. You can't take life. Okay? That belongs to God. He's ordained our days, right? So we know murdering is wrong. People um, will go to jail. Some will even be put to death. Capital punishment, right? God's given that authority to the state. You know, well, what if the state is corrupt and messed up? Well, welcome to the fallen world, guys. I I don't see governments doing it well anywhere in the world. We're all messed up in some ways. But God has placed that authority for a reason, and it's to keep things in check. Aren't you guys glad that we live in a country that actually doesn't allow murder to happen? Or does it? We'll get to that in a moment. It's not murder. That means to purposely take another person's life. Well, what if I get drafted? I'm hearing that's actually going on. Taiwan, you just served for four months. They just this last week up to, to a whole year. I love Israel. How many of you guys love Israel? You go there, and I got to go. I saw children. Part of what they all have to do, man or woman, you serve. And there's a lot of preemptive strikes that Israel has to do in order to protect themselves. My son this morning prayed for Ukraine upstairs. That is something since the first day we heard of that war take place. Russia is invading. Okay? Ukraine's not provoking. They're not invading. My son, every single day since we first heard of it, Every day in our prayers, he prays for Ukraine. And we look how many no longer have a father, husband. Anyways, we could go on on how bad and evil that is. Now, is it wrong for the Ukrainians to defend themselves? Here they come. Well, God says don't murder. What does that actually mean? Some say that Christians should just be passive. The Bible says you shall not murder. So if someone comes into your home and wants to do you harm, you're not allowed to defend yourself. I know Christians who actually believe this. 
I've had some conversations with other pastors because the threat is very real. You guys know that we're an easy target in a church? That's why people show up at churches and shoot people up. Easy, soft target. Or they're just undone because, hey, we don't like what you're preaching. (laughs) And in these conversations I've had with pastors, we don't even all agree. But if someone would ever walk through the doors here and meant to do harm to any of you, my brothers and sisters, you betcha I would do everything in my power to stop that person. We have a right to defend ourselves, guys. And we actually see that in Scripture. So when it comes to this commandment, do not murder, okay? This is in a place where, hey, I'm not going to purposely take another person's life for no reason or because it's out of my sinful wants and desires. That's what he's talking about. And then there's the obvious today. The pro-life, pro-choice. Just got overturned back to a state level, but just because of that, how much more conversation and debate and argument is going on over that. It's very clear in Scripture at conception. We just talked about a couple of the prophets. Jeremiah and Isaiah both said, hey, I was called to this ministry as a prophet. When? When I was in my mommy's womb. (laughs) Okay? And we know scientifically, okay, That little fetus, that's actually a human being. Can't argue that. And everybody wants to be about science unless it doesn't line up with their thoughts and opinions. And we know biblically at conception, that's when life begins. So we talk about abortion and the right to murder your child. And we want to say, no, it's about choice. No, it's not about choice. We have all this language and all these arguments and all these excuses. Murder is murder period. And why do we want to argue against God? Again, Satan wants to what? Rob, steal, destroy, kill. (laughs) That's his business. And for a person to want to take their own child's life, okay, you shall not murder. And how many millions of babies have been killed, murdered, just because we don't take God's word seriously? You know how many women I've counseled who are just a wreck because they chose to have an abortion? There is forgiveness to be had. God can forgive murder. Do you guys know that? Do you know how that wrecks a woman? Again, God speaks these things to protect us. They don't share that with you when you go into the doctor to have a procedure. Or it's even getting to the point it's so easy you can just order a pill now and they'll send it to your house and you have an abortion by taking a pill. Another way to murder your baby. I don't want to camp on this, but this is something that's very real and going on right now in our own country. And people don't want to deal with it. They just want to keep making excuses not to obey God. God is pro-life. He tells us to choose life. And children are a blessing from the Lord. I love my kids. Each one of them. Each one of them. In the second, a mom sees an ultrasound. Do you guys know? 80% of people, when they actually see there's a head, there's legs, there's arms, there's little fingers, there's a heart beating. 
A mom, when they see that, they change their mind 80% of the time. And that's why all these clinics, that's the last thing they want to do. We don't want anybody seeing an ultrasound. Sorry. Get a little passionate, but that's just, don't you guys wish you could do more about that? You know, we can pray and we can speak the truth in love. That's what we need to do. Also, guys, when it comes to the Ten Commandments, it confronts what is going on in life. Isn't it weird that this was written thousands of years ago? (laughs) Isn't each one still relevant today? Wow! God's word is timeless. That isn't some old religion. No, this is the plight of mankind. (laughs) It is our sin. Let's talk about adultery together. (laughs) Um, You shall not commit adultery, okay? Would you guys say that sexuality is pretty perverse in our culture today? Everything has been sexualized, you know? I have a hard time finding a good show to watch with my kids, okay? They all, even my oldest who's in high school now, if there's kissing on there, whoo, I ain't even going to look, you know, I'm just have I have to tell them sometimes, hey, kissing's good when you're married. <laughs> That's a beautiful thing. But do you guys know it's almost 90% of all sexuality that you see in a movie or on television is outside of the marriage context? Wow. We're being inundated with this stuff. And it's gotten so perverse today. That's our culture, but it's always been. And you consider how much of the scriptures talk about sexuality. And God asks us to be pure in that. In the reality of adultery, how many people have found themselves divorced? Most of the time it's because of what? My spouse cheated on me. A very real thing today, maybe more than ever, and it's crazy Because then divorce happens. Again, God writes these things for our good, our protection. Do you guys know that a kid that comes out of a divorced family is 200 times or 200% more likely to divorce themselves? Man, many of you have gone through a divorce. It hurts. And you know it's not God's design. It's not his way. That's not what he has. He finds a wife, finds a good thing. There's so many who want to give, well, I'm going to cheat on my wife and I'm going to find ways to bless this other gal. Spend time and money with her. Man, how good would your marriage be, dude, if you just took that effort you're giving to this other woman and actually put it into your wife? You guys would have that rocking relationship and you would be leading our marriage ministry at church. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians 6 together. We're going we're gonna to go to a few scriptures together. We just looked at murder. You guys can jot down 1 John 3.15 if you want to take some references this morning. Because Jesus said there, if you have anger, if you're angry with your brother, what have you done? You've committed murder. Some of you guys are sitting here this morning, well, I don't murder people. You know, I might have some, you know, sexuality problems. But at least I didn't murder anything because that's bad. You know, maybe I can watch porn 
when nobody's looking or nobody's, that's not hurting anybody. But murdering somebody, at least I don't do that. Jesus tells us there in 1 John 3.15, if you have anger towards somebody in your heart towards them, you've committed murder. Okay, don't let the sun go down on your wrath, guys. God wants to deal with that. And how many of us get angry? I get angry. But doesn't the Holy Spirit come right alongside you when you start getting angry? Yeah? Yeah. This is what I want you to do right now. Your enemy here who's ticking you off, you get to love him. That's what I'm going to have you do. Where are we going? Hey, that's a good passage. 1 Corinthians 6. Well, we're talking about adultery now. We were here not too long ago here at Freedom Fellowship because we've also been working through 1 Corinthians every other week. We're going to look at chapter 6 in 1 Corinthians, and I just want to read to you guys just a few, a couple verses. We'll just look at verse 9 here and 10. It says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? And that's where we as Christians, we're so glad that Jesus is our righteousness, right? The great, great switcheroo, he's become our righteousness. But he also goes on and says, do not be deceived. And that's what I would like you guys to underline. Don't be deceived here, okay? It says, neither fornicators, so those who are having sex outside of marriage, okay? And it says, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves. Have you ever stole anything? nor covetous, oh, we're going to talk about that this morning, <laughs> nor drunkards, you ever get drunk, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. In verse 11 it says, and such were some of you. <sighs> I told you guys earlier I was wrecked this week. I mean, I was in tears on my knees, broken before the Lord. I'm getting ahead of myself because I want to just share this for the end. But what the Lord spoke to me in this is even though you guys probably still sin like I do, okay? I, I wish we could. We just talked about murder being in our hearts, anger. We know what Jesus said concerning adultery, Right? A lot of people look at the Ten Commandments and say, God of the Old Testament, man, he was the harsh one, the hard one. <laughs> you guys know that Jesus is God. He doesn't change, guys. If anything, the New Testament, what Jesus spoke, brought the law to a whole new level, didn't it? Okay? Because maybe, hey, I haven't committed adultery. Okay? I don't, I'm not flirting with other women. <laughs> Jesus says in the New Testament, what? hey, if you looked upon a woman with lust, you have committed adultery. <sighs> Swallow that as a Christian. Wait a minute, I thought Jesus was all about love. I thought it was supposed to be easier with him. No, Jesus takes it to a whole new level, guys. Because he doesn't care. God doesn't care. Hey, how do you look on the outside? You know what God cares about? Our hearts. And he cares enough to speak the truth to us, guys, to challenge us. 
But the beauty of it, guys, even when we're confronted with the truth, doesn't that make God's grace and his gospel all the more better? I find myself, when I'm confronted with the law, I'm just like, yeah, I am a mess. Still. And I'm a pastor. It's his grace, guys. But then the Holy Spirit downloaded and said, son. Because you know when you're being racked, and sometimes it may even be Satan in your ear. Oh, you're preparing to teach this? You want to be truthful and upfront and real? You want this to impact your brothers and sisters, that their lives would be changed for the glory of God? Yeah, that's right, Satan. He starts bringing up the old junk, even stuff from my childhood, stuff I don't even think about or didn't even remember. <laughs> Forefront of my thoughts. Really? And I'm just being torn up, confronted with my stuff, because I know me, and I know I'm not a perfect man, and I know the things that are going on in my heart. Like, you guys could come and hang out with Pastor Landon for a week, and you'd be like, yeah, the dude's legit. He does walk uprightly, but what you wouldn't see is the junk in my heart, how easily I get frustrated, how critical I can be, how angry, even lust. But that's what God sees, and he loves us enough, guys, to deal with it. He loves us enough to confront us that we can be changed. And I don't know about you guys, but I desire change. I'm glad I'm not the man I was 20 years ago, 30 years ago. I'm glad I'm not the man I was a year ago. How many of you guys are being sanctified continually by the Lord? And that's what his word does. It's hard to do daily devotions and not be confronted in some way if we are humble and honest. Because as I read the scriptures, I'm just like, whoa, you know what, God? My thinking's a little off because you're absolutely right here. And I've been thinking this way or I've been doing this, maybe just in my heart, but you're right. I'm not loving that brother the way you've asked me to love him. And I'm not serving him because I'm not loving him rightly. The Lord's willing to confront us in those things. But the thing that is so beautiful is the Holy Spirit spoke deeply to my heart. I'm changing you. I have been changing you. This is good. And this is just another time of me working by my spirit in your heart. I'm doing right now what you can't do yourself. And you've heard me say this before. We can't change our hearts. Only God can do that. The only thing we can do is agree and say, yeah, God, you're right. I need help. Please, Holy Spirit, rearrange my priorities, my life, my heart. And he is faithful to do that, guys. So let's talk about adultery just a little bit more. You guys know how destructive it is. But where does it start? In the heart. You know, well, maybe I haven't physically done anything. I would say this. 
Maybe it hasn't physically happened because the opportunity hasn't presented itself, but because it's already in your heart, when that opportunity comes, you're going to be like, all right, I'm ready to roll. Take heed to yourselves, guys. We need to be careful, and we need to watch the things of our heart because those issues are deep. And if God tests us, as we read before, with his word, if those things come up, you need to address that. You need to pray. It is good to confess our sins one to another, that we may be healed. And God wants that vulnerableness. We are so good at hiding stuff. It's not what God wants. He wants us to be real with him and with one another. So I want to encourage you guys, be very careful, you know, because adultery, you know, it's not just when we were young. (laughs) I can name three pastors in the last year divorced because of adultery that I know personally just in the last three or in the last year here. You know, two of them I had no clue. It just popped up like, hey, you're snuggling up next to a gal that's not your wife. I hadn't seen them in a few years. So I go check out their profile. I, oh, they went through a divorce. What happened here? Now there's a new person. And it just breaks your heart because you know that's not what God has. And then your heart breaks for their kids because, hey, they're family, man. They got children. So adultery is destructive. Sexuality is just exalted today in our culture. But I want to encourage you guys, safeguard your marriages. Do whatever it takes. Safeguard. And also, if you have been caught in the act of adultery, John 8, what did Jesus do with the woman who was caught in the act of adultery? He was real. You sinned. You deserve to be stoned to death. And that's what the law declares, right? You murder somebody, you commit adultery, you break the law, there's consequences. There's a debt to be paid. Death is what it is. But what does Jesus do? A lot of grace, right? Hey, you are an adulterer, you are a sinner, but you've been forgiven. (laughs) You're trusting me. Go and sin no more. So maybe you are caught up into pornography. Maybe you've been lusting in your heart. Do you guys know the average affair goes on for two years before anybody finds out? Two years. How does that happen? My wife knows where I am. (laughs) I know where she is. You do things to safeguard your marriage. You don't give opportunities to that. Okay? Okay. You got to guard. Well, that would never happen to me. Take heed, guys. Be careful. There's a lot of emotional affairs going on. I'm sorry, I'm talking about this way too long. In the workplace, you guys know that you can't have an affair with somebody that you're not being physical with? You're giving those conversations, sharing your heart in those times of conversation with somebody that's not your spouse. Be careful. All right, let's move on to stealing. Okay, Um, I grew up playing baseball, okay, my dad coached, I loved playing baseball, Um, there's a lot of stealing that goes on in baseball, and God says you shall not steal, so is that right, is that wrong, that's just a lot of fun, right, 
So as I was playing ball growing up, I went to school with a lot of the guys that played on different teams. And I remember one of the guys I played football with, him and I, we were stealing more bases than anybody else in the league at the time. So the whole conversation coming up in the game we were about to play was, hey, who is going to get more steals? And it was even more fun for me because guess what? I was the catcher. And I was the guy who was to stop stealing. So I was doing the godly thing. We don't steal. Okay. So it was a fun game. I will tell you guys this. He tried three times. I got him out all three times. Didn't happen. But I also remember I enjoyed stealing. I got a high from stealing. Because I did play a lot of baseball. I did the pitching, the catching. I played third base and first base. I understood how that worked. And there would be times I'd get on base and I would actually steal my way all the way home and score for my team. It was fun because I knew how it worked. I knew what I could get away with and not get caught. If I was on third base, I would literally start walking towards home plate the second the ball's pitched. And then the challenge was on, like, what are you going to do? Are you going to come after me? Sure, come on. I'll go back to third base here. Let's see if you can catch me because I'm not the fastest, but I'm smarter than you, and I can tell the difference and if I can make it back in time. Oh, you're getting back. You're getting close to third. I'm going to throw you out now, Miss. And I could tell because I'm looking back. The second he's about to throw the ball, I'm turning, and I'm going back to home plate. Busted. Got you guys. Just scored. Or if I'm running back and I see the third baseman and I see the second that his eyes get big because, hey, the ball's coming, I'm turning already and going back. Um, But I got slower and slower and that wasn't the case anymore. But (laughs) when it comes to stealing, there's a problem today, okay? We see it everywhere, everywhere, okay? Um, Even employers know it goes on among their employees. It's almost, I forget what percentage it is, but there's so much just taken from the workplace. And if I asked you or if I just, hey, I'm coming over for a visit, and I walked around your house, would I find things in your home from your employer? There's a lot of stealing that goes on. And employees do it other ways too. I forget the name of it, but do you guys know that it's, Just over two hours per day, employees waste time at work doing their own thing. You guys know what they do most of the time? They're on Facebook. Second thing they're doing is they're on LinkedIn looking for other jobs. That's what they're doing on their employer's dime in time. Is that stealing? That's stealing. We as Christians, guys, we need to understand what God says about it. It's not right. We don't like when people steal from us. We're not to steal from other people. And we need to be good and giving our best to the Lord. And I think when it comes to wealth, guys, the reason we steal is because we want what they have. We, you can't serve two masters, right? Money or God. <laughs> can't do it. And if you're, you know, living for money, you're going to steal. So stealing's wrong, okay? I was confronted with this one big time, personally, okay? And I have to confess to you guys, and I'm going to be changing some things. There's been sermons and outlines and quotes that I haven't, that I've shared with you guys, but I didn't say, hey, this brother is the one who actually came up with this content. 
in the stuff. So I'm purposely going to be putting anything I quote from now on up on a screen with their name. And I can name off the top of my head dozens of different guys that I've taken stuff from, you know, and then there's hundreds I can't even think of. But it's one of those things where you're convicted with, you know, the law, there are things like, oh, this isn't good. This isn't right. So you guys really need to go before the Lord because it's one of those things we can study through the commandments, but are we applying them? Are we allowing the Spirit to work in us in those things? So we do want to come to a point where we're not stealing. Taxes is a big thing. Are you guys honest on your taxes? Does anybody love paying their taxes? Oh, good. We all have something in common. Don't we hate it? Okay. I do want to mention to you guys, and you jot down the reference out of Malachi. Um, where is it? Malachi 3, 8 and 9. It's where God declares, hey, you stole from me. You haven't tithed. You haven't brought to the storehouse. A lot of times we can think about stealing from our neighbor or from our employer. Or maybe you're an employer stealing from your employees. That's wrong too. Okay? If you agreed on something, pay them what you're supposed to pay them. <laughs> but in that, guys, we as Christians should be generous in our giving to God because we love him. I hate paying taxes, but I love giving to God. <laughs> Why? Because that's who we are as believers. We believe in what God is up to. And I want to encourage you guys, you know, just to go before the Lord and ask, hey, what does it look like when it comes to me stealing from you? Because you know what you actually own and what you actually have? Nothing. It's all his, and he gets to do what he wants to do with it, what is entrusted. And that's why we never pass a plate here. God loves a cheerful giver. That's between you and the Lord. But I want to be upfront and honest when it comes to what the scriptures say. Don't steal. Be generous. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Have you heard that before? And this is all going to tie into the last one, coveting. Let's move on real quick. We're going to talk about lying. Do you guys know that God loves or hates lying, but he loves truth? Okay. We're told, you can jot down Proverbs 6, verse 16 to 19. It talks about seven things that God hates. And two of those things on the list come around a lying tongue, being deceitful. He hates that. We discipline our children. There's a lot of grace for our children. We're trying to exemplify the heart of our Heavenly Father towards them. But lying is not put up with. That is one thing that that does not happen in our home. And that's a strong conviction Sonny has. And I'm so glad from day one, we're not playing this game. Relationship matters. And if trust is ever broken, relationship is broken. Do you guys understand that? And that's why it's so important that we are truthful. And we need to be truthful. And that's why God hates it so much. So if you're lying on your taxes, knock it off. Okay? <laughs> um, yeah. And there's a lot of ways that we can lie. Do you guys know that flattery, deception, slander, false teaching? Okay? You guys can jot down 1 John 3, 7. Little children, let no one deceive you. Have you guys heard that verse before? Okay? You guys know that everything on the internet is not true? I don't know what the deal is. And it's some of you in here too. 
I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just trying to open eyes. Christians love conspiracy in the stuff that gets sent around. You dig a little bit, a lot of it's not true. You're spreading falsehoods. You're fear-mongering. I don't have problems with people sharing truth with me, but do you know most of the stuff that I have to check out as a pastor? All that conspiracy stuff for some reason Christians are into, most of it is just bogus junk. It's coming from both sides. And we are to walk in the light, in the truth, guys. Let's do that well. Let's not slander another person. You guys know that's lying and that is not right before the Lord. I see that in the church today too. We're slandering brothers in Christ. They said this. Have pastor friends in the past send me stuff. Hey, did you hear pastor so-and-so said this? No, I didn't. Didn't really even want to know. Don't even really know who he is. Why would I care? You should care. You should warn your people. And then I go and I actually look. Oh, he did say that. And then I take it a step farther. Well, let's look at the context in which he was saying it. I want to listen to the sermon. You know what? It's not what he was saying at all. These are leaders in the church getting caught up into this. Anyways, do you guys see how I could preach each one of these? Like, I thought I was going to have more time. We're supposed to be done. Way to go, guys. All right. What are we, we're looking at lying. I'd love to talk about gossip, 1 Timothy 5.13. Okay, don't be busybodies. Don't give in to gossip. I know that there's some of us that just love to know everybody else's business. And when we give in to gossip, it is not right before the Lord. It ties into lying. Okay, if somebody's not willing to share that information personally, you have no business sharing that. So don't gossip. There's never reasons to lie. And if there are, they're very rare. Okay, I think of earlier in Exodus. You guys remember chapter 1? You guys remember the midwives that were told to kill the male babies? They lied. And we're told God honored that. They would not allow these babies to be killed, murdered. God honored that. You guys remember Rahab hiding the spies, lying about that? She's in the hall of faith. You guys are in Hebrews 11. There's Rahab being honored for lying. What? There's only a few times in life that you may have an opportunity to lie. I remember when I was over in Hungary, I had lied to some Muslim men I was witnessing to. Because I know there, there's a lot of violence. And there's attacks on Christians. And you want to know where the pastor, the missionary lives and where we're gathering? No, I'm not going to give you that information, you know. And no, we're not going to be there and we're not doing that. There's times where you protect, you know. Well, what happens when it comes to Christmas and the guy who shows up on Christmas or um, I bought mom a surprise birthday present and I don't want you kiddos Again, we want to be examples to our kids. We don't want our kids, you know, to blow the surprise, you know. And it's one of those things as parents, you want to protect them, and you're telling them since they're a little bitty, secrets aren't good. That's a bad thing. If anyone ever tells you not to say anything, he's a creeper. I want to know. I want to go punch the dude in the face, okay. That's not good. And then we tell our kids to lie. We got to be very careful because we are that example. Okay? And surprises are okay. 
okay? A lie says, hey, keep it secret. We want nobody to know. No, this gift from mom for her birthday, she's going to find out. We're just going to keep it secret for now, okay? Because we don't want her to know until we get to reveal the gift, the surprise. Does that make sense? We could talk about it more, uh, but we're not. So, <laughs> um, but do you guys know how important truth is? Our faith, foundation of truth, no place for lying. Now let's talk about the last one, coveting. Do you guys know that the Apostle Paul writes for us in Galatians that it was the law that taught him about his covetousness? I would say that there's a reason why this is the last one on the big list of ten here. Because they all kind of come around. <laughs> like, hey, you shall not covet. Well, what's the first one? Thou shall not have no other gods before me. But I am coveting being God in my own life. Doing whatever I want. I covet that. Thus, I'm going to break the first commandment. Because of my covetous heart. Because of what I wants. Do you guys know that your Heavenly Father knows what you need? And there's a lot of times. Again, my heart issues, guys, whew, covetousness right in here all the time. Why? Because I have grown up and I live in a consumer-based society. Everything, everything is consumer. I need this. They have that. How many relationships are ruined because of covetousness? You know? She's like, oh, I'm pregnant. (laughs) I can't have a baby. I hate you now. That's the grossness of covetousness. I just got a raise. Be happy with me. I just lost my job. I wish I had that. I hate you for getting a raise. Do you guys see how quickly covetousness just can wreck things? And our relationship with God. And we got to be so, rejoice with those who rejoice. That's what the Bible says. Be happy. Man, someone gets a new car, praise God. Praise God. If you're coveting in that new car, man, God will give you a new car when you need a new car. What you're called to do is trust him. He's going to give you what you need. And there's so many things, guys, I am truly thankful that he has said no to. God, I want this. I'm praying for this. Can you make this happen? Can you change that person? It'd be so much nicer. If things just went well, no, son. Or sometimes it's not yet. It will happen. Just not yet. But when we begin to covet, and again, this is the sin we can hide, right? Because where does coveting happen? It's all in our hearts, okay? But it is all around us. It is our entire culture today. Everything. I get depressed going on Facebook. I love being able to share things. I love to be able to catch up with people, what they're doing. But you guys know how advertising works, right? Friday night, we're coming home late from a basketball in New London. We pulled up. Uh, Shalom's been asking for Little Caesars pizza for weeks. Finally, hey, I'm going to bless my daughter, you know. So we pull up, and you guys know that Little Caesars now have, like, these big TVs right outside their store showing delicious pictures of their awesome pepperoni pizzas. Have you guys seen that? I'm gluten-free and I can't have it. But I'm seeing this advertisement, you know. I'm looking at it. You know what I'm thinking about? Pizza. (laughs) I just want pizza and I can't have it. 
this just really, that's, it doesn't matter. I've been gluten-free for 10 years. I'm going to break it and get sick because I want this good pee. That's how advertising works. And we need to be careful. There's so many people who, you know, they don't even have a budget. They're broke. Creditors are after them. Why? Because I have to have that. We spend money we don't have. We're buying things we don't need or just because the Joneses have it, I have to have it too. Do you guys pray about the things you purchase? Not that God doesn't give. He gives us all things to enjoy. Even when he talks about the rich people in Timothy, hey, enjoy those things. There's nothing wrong with that. Okay, because there is a gross posterity gospel out there today. I wish I could speak into that, but you guys are taught the word. You know the truth. There's also this poor suffering poverty theology that's totally unbiblical out there too. Okay? It's one of those things. What is God given? And do we receive that as a gift from him? Or are we getting stuff because we have a covetous heart, which is sin? And that's where I would encourage you guys, pray. Pray how you use your money. Pray about what you buy. Okay? There's been things that I've wanted to get. Like, hey, there's no this stewardship. It's good. And all these spirits just said no. Okay? Guess not. And then I find out why later. It's like, oh, you knew best. I didn't spend the money there. Now I have it to give or do or something came up. You know? He knows. So be careful with that. Um, you guys got little kiddos. Okay? what do we do when the kids are fighting over a toy? Or what do we do when we're in the grocery store and the kid wants something and they start throwing a tantrum? Oh, little Johnny, if you just behave and knock it off, I'll let you have something when we get to the checkout. That's the worst thing you can do for your kid. You're teaching them to be covetous. I'm going to reward your covetousness. You want that? I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you even bigger and better. Don't allow the kids to do that. Because what are you doing? You're teaching them how to be covetous from a young age. And it's one of those things, guys, it's one of the hardest things for us to discern and work with because it is all around us and we can deceive ourselves in this. And that's why it's so important that we're walking with the Lord and in tune with him. Because covetousness, it does rip us off in many ways. Um, you guys can jot down Luke twelve fifteen. In James 4, 1 and 2. And Philippians chapter 4, I think is verse 11. Because the key to all of this, because Jesus speaks specifically to our desires. And you guys know that we are allowed to have desires as Christians. You know, hey, I desire this. I desire to grow as a pastor, as a husband, as a father. I want to be a good steward of this blessing in my life for the honor of God. We can have godly desires, but there's unholy desires. Do you guys know that? Okay, we need to have the wisdom to discern those things. But I love what the Apostle Paul tells us in Philippians 4. I think it's around verse 11. Not sure, don't want to lie. Around there somewhere. But do you guys know where he talks about, hey, I've learned how to be content in all things. I believe, guys, contentment is the key to our covetousness. If we really learn to be content with what we have. And we can learn that. Well, it's not natural. It's not our culture. It's all about having more. 
No, we learn to be content. We can learn that. So, Father, we are thankful for your word. We're thankful for these commandments this morning. And I'm so thankful that you love us enough to correct us. You love us enough to speak the truth to us because it is your heart as a dad to protect us that we may enjoy life. Thank you that your ways are good and right. I do pray if there's been rebuke or correcting going on in our hearts from your Holy Spirit that we would definitely take heed to that. We desire that correction. We want to do what's right. And we thank you that your Holy Spirit will lead us and instruct us on the ways we should go and what we need to do with these things. So help us, Father, where it's needed. Keep working on us. I know that we're all works in progress and that you are faithful to complete the work that you have begun in us. So keep changing us. Help us to stir each other up and to encourage us uh, just in the things that you have and the things that you are doing. Thank you so much for your word. One last thought, and then I'll let you guys go. That's not the thought. I love this picture. I was arrested this week. I should not steal. Yeah, it's going to take extra work, extra time. It's going to cost you. And this picture... Do you guys know when Christ was crucified, who is he crucified between? Two thieves. One's in hell today, one's in heaven today with Jesus. And that's the beauty, guys. Because we've all sinned, we've all fallen short, we all deserve to be crucified, put to death. That's what sin requires. But there was one man who looked to Christ and believed what he said even though the world mocked, even though the world had turned their back against him, even though he'd done nothing wrong, he's there shedding his blood for the forgiveness of sins. And there was one who believed and simply said, hey, will you remember me when you come into your kingdom? And Jesus said, yep. That's what I'm looking for even though you're a thief and you sold something and you're deserving of death, the penalty, I love you and I'm willing to forgive you and you get to be with me today in paradise. That's the beauty of the gospel and that's what the law does, guys. Okay? That's the bad news. We've all broken it. We've all fallen short, but the good news is we have a God that loves us so much that he gave his only begotten son. And if you today are willing to believe upon him, you will be saved and you will be given eternal life. That is the beauty of the gospel. That's the beauty of the law. Cool? Cool.